My name is Daniel. What's up, guys? My name is George, and welcome to The Pickup Show. Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of The Pickup Show. Um, George was unable to record, so I asked my homie, known him since we were, what, fourth grade? Yeah, fourth, third grade. Fourth, third grade, legit student of the game. He knows way more about basketball than anyone else I know. So um, I'm going to introduce you to my homie, Quentin, a.k.a. Q. And um, we're just going to talk about March Madness. So um, first question, first question. What were your thoughts on just not even March Madness first? We'll get into that. But just like the regular season of the NCAA, if we can call it that. Um, I thought it, there was a lot of parity this year. There wasn't really like a dominant team to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Blue Bloods were good as usual. You know, Duke, Carolina, Villanova. Arizona, Michigan State, um, but there wasn't that one team that stood out this year uh, amongst all the others. I think uh, the closest thing I could say is like Virginia, you know, only having two losses, winning the ACC by four games. Um, but you know, they've never really come through and made a Final Four since Tony Bennett took over. They didn't have a superstar player or like a top NBA prospect or anything like that that uh, kind of commanded attention like maybe some of the other schools did. Right. Um, so going into the tournament, you know, I th- I thought that there was like a lot of different teams that could actually have a good chance to make the final four. Um, and it, it kind of looked that way, especially, you know, seeing what happened this weekend. Yeah, it definitely seems like maybe those assumptions. No, I right. agree. I totally agree with you because I even remember I wish I talked to you more beforehand about the tournament because it could have gone either way. I didn't have anyone like oh man arizona they're just the best of them head head above shoulders better than anyone else i didn't have that like i didn't believe in virginia if i can be honest i didn't believe in villanova i like xavier kansas michigan state since he even michigan like i didn't even know they're top 10 like i did not believe in any of these teams so that's why i'm making the brackets this year out of all my years that i have was super fucking super hard and i was just wondering if you did you have the same thing uh, it was hard for me only because, you know, like I mentioned before, I just felt like there, there were so many teams that could make a run. Right. There wasn't a dominant team that I felt comfortable, you know, guaranteeing that they win four straight games to make it to San Antonio this year or even to win six in a row, Yeah. you know, to win it all. Uh, obviously, someone has to, but it was hard for me to pinpoint, you know, four that could make it, you know, to the final four and then one that would kind of win the whole thing. Um but there were, I had a few ideas just from certain teams I saw more than others. Mm-hmm. Certain teams I felt that were more balanced than others. And okay. what, uh, what were those teams, if I can ask? Uh, well, my final four was mm-hmm. Villanova, Michigan State, Cincinnati, and Michigan. Uh, obviously, two of those are out now. Yeah. Uh, so I was wrong about two of them. Uh, but two of them did advance. Michigan got lucky, made that last second they, shot. Yep. Um, so I could have only had one right. Uh, if Villanova happened to be the only one that got right, that would have been a good thing for me because that's a team I have winning it all. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of them, I just think that uh, I think I believe they're the number one scoring offense in all of college basketball. Uh, that doesn't say much because the number one scoring teams usually don't win the tournament. Right. UCLA last year only made the Sweet 16. Um, oh, that's but, right. They were number one. But watching them play defense, their defensive numbers aren't great compared to other teams, but I think they're good enough. I think in... Um, certain periods certain runs that can you know really lock up and and get you know key turnovers or stops mm-hmm. um and i think 
they can do that just enough, you know, during March to kind of pull it out. Uh, and I, I don't think the Big East was that bad of a conference this year. I know a lot of people like the ACC. They got nine teams in. I know the Big 12 was really competitive this year. Uh, but I think the Big East was just as good as those two in terms of the quality of teams that they put into the tournament. I was honestly, I didn't really pay attention to the Big East as much. I guess the lower schools. So I was shocked to see how many were in it. I was a really big fan of the Big 12. And, I mean, Texas disappointed me. But then, I mean, with everything that happened with Andrew Jones, with leukemia. Yeah. That was a big that was, that a, big was a loss. Break. They would, uh, I think, definitely gotten higher than the 10th seed this year if oh. uh, he had been healthy. Um, I think they missed a lot of the playmaking that he could have brought mm-hmm. to the team. Uh, you can definitely tell in their tournament game, you know, only having someone like Kerwin Roach to handle the ball at the yeah. end. Especially with Bamba fouling out, you know that's where they missed him the most, and, and not just in that game, but that was in all the other games, or you know even before that, once he got sick. Yeah, so shout out to Andrew Jones. Good luck on your um, just your team with leukemia. You know, thinking about you, and um, honestly, another team that I really liked because I saw them a lot was uh, West Virginia. Um, I just really like their defense. Like their defense is just always just. They, I don't even think they have anyone in the NBA, like, mock drafts. They're just great on defense, and I love their point guard. Do you remember the point guard's name? Javon Carter. Looks like a 40-year-old, but yeah, no, he's, he's been there I for like a while. him a he's lot. one of those guys that you look at and, like, this guy's been there four years. It feels mm-hmm. like six. Yeah. Uh, but that's another team I really liked a lot. I thought they were under-seeded at five. Yeah. I was definitely considering them to make the Final Four, and had they been in any other region, I probably would have picked them. Mm-hmm. They just so happened to fall into the region of the team I liked the most, and so for that reason, we'll get into that matchup later. Yeah. Uh, but they do actually play each other, West Virginia, Villanova. Um, I think that's going to be a very good matchup. I think that's going to be a good test for Villanova. Oh, easily. And one team that um, I really liked, and I know they struggled late in the season, but they went up to a, like just a firehead like beginning of the season was Texas A&M. And like Robert Williams kind of has disappointed me. I'm not even going to lie. It's a draft prospect. But just in the beginning of the, the season, I just really liked their offense. You know, the other big guy, I think his name, last name was Davis. Tyler Davis. Tyler Davis. That's one big dude I really like. And I really like the point guards as well. And I just like the team. And I had a feeling in one of my brackets, I had them upsetting UNC. And they did, but I didn't think it was going to be by 20, which was crazy. But, hey, it's March Madness. Yep. Anything can happen in March. Texas A&M is definitely very talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of dropped off, like you said, from their start at the beginning of the year. Right. Um, but very talented team, very athletic team. Still very raw, but you can see the talent there when they actually you know play well and, and get out in transition. And They knocked a lot of threes down against Carolina. Yeah, they did. Helped them a lot in that game, especially because Carolina couldn't hit from the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Carolina so missing anyone? No, no, right? No, no, right? No, they're no, just uh, they just versus sucked, last year. They just lost a lot of depth, lost a lot of uh, big talent. Justin yeah. Jackson was a big loss going to the draft. Uh, Kennedy Meeks and mm-hmm. Joel James, uh, Tony Bradley. They didn't expect to lose him, but as a freshman, they you know I guess the, the scouts really liked what uh, he showed them in his limited minutes. Athletic so big, <laughs> all that stuff hurt them. Uh, when I watched them this year, I'm honestly surprised that they were able to beat Duke twice just because athletically matching up against someone like Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter, Gary Trent, uh-huh. uh, you know, Duke looked like they would run him out of the building. Um, but they were able to, you know, win those games. Uh, I wasn't as high on them going into this tournament. I only had mm-hmm. them going to a Sweet 16. 
Um, I had Michigan beating them. Uh, so Michigan made it there. We're not going to see a Michigan-Carolina no. uh, game. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, they had a lot of talent. Joel Berry, obviously, is a, is a great college player. I don't know if he'll but, be in uh, the NBA. They, he struggled in that game he yesterday. Uh, I just don't think they had enough shooting to even try shooting that many threes. Um, so that was kind of puzzling to me. You know, it's March Madness. Anything can literally happen. But just going back, we're talking about the regular season. We're going to talk about just the random losses the top 12 teams have faced. Like Virginia, well, they only lost two games. Virginia Tech and West Virginia. Uh, Villanova lost to Creighton, who, who was in the uh, in the tournament, which isn't bad. But they also lost to Providence. St. John's, randomly. Uh, shout, out, shout out to Marcus Levette. I don't know if he actually played in that game, but um, and then they lost to Butler. Xavier lost to ASU and Providence twice. Kansas lost to Washington, ASU, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. Actually, really interesting how they lost to Washington. Did you watch that game? I didn't watch that game. Um, I watched a little bit of it. Uh-huh. Uh, it was early in the season. I think Kansas now, or even a couple months ago, would have beat Washington. Uh, Washington kind of, you know, Mike Hopkins is a Jim Bayheim you know, mm-hmm. uh, prod- protege. So plays a lot of two, three zone. Kansas just didn't really shoot the ball well that game. Didn't really know how to attack it. Uh, now they're a much better shooting team, much better playmaking team. Uh, I think they had a fit Leak Newman in early at the beginning of that season. He's really coming with, up now. With him not being able to be the primary ball hunter all the time since uh-huh. they have Devontae Graham, it was kind of tough early on for them to play together. Right. And I think it showed in that game. Uh, but now it's kind of effortless. Um you know, I, w- I would say that that loss doesn't mean as much now as it, as it did back then. Agree. Okay, like Michigan State lost to Ohio State. They made the tournament in Michigan twice. Since he lost to Houston, Wichita, Xavier, Florida, all of them made the tournament, yep. so I really can't say that. Michigan lost to LSU. Let's see, who else? Nebraska, Northwestern. That's kind of crazy. Gonzaga lost to San Diego State. Well, they're in the tournament, so I can't really say that was an upset. Duke, Boston College wasn't in it, right? No. No, I don't think so. They got, uh, they were the victim of the best game of one of the guys in Boston College that he's ever played, Kai Bowman. He had like 33, 36 points. Made like, I want to say seven threes. So, oh. uh, it was like their first ACC game. Yeah, when you have a career, yeah, you have so a career game. So, that was the first game. loss this season. Um, definitely think that humbled Duke a little bit. Um, taught him to kind of take more seriously, like, the lower teams they're playing in the ACC. Right. Uh, obviously, they lost you know a couple more ACC games, but you know the conference did get nine teams in the tournament, so not too shabby. Uh, you know any of those losses you can really say were you know bad losses. I would say. Agree. They lost to St. John. St. John's didn't make it, right? No, no they, they were not very good this year. They weren't. Surprisingly, St. John's beat Duke. That's kind they of... beat Villanova and Duke uh, in, like, <laughs> in like a week stretch. Uh, Shamori Ponds would just going off those two weeks. Uh-huh. So I think that had a lot to do with it when you have a great player on another team. Sometimes you're going to lose some games when, you know, there's nothing you can do to contain a guy like that. When you're hot, you're hot, man. UNC lost to Wolford. I don't even know where the heck Wolford is. I think that's in Carolina also. Carolina? One of the, one of the Carolinas. Okay. Yeah. Purdue lost to Western Kentucky, Wisconsin, and Arizona lost to NC State, SMU, Colorado, Washington, UCLA and Oregon, which is interesting. Arizona's had a definitely a fascinating season, and the way they <laughs> lost in the tournament yep. made it even that much more and fascinating. 
and all the rumors about DeAndre um, Aiden getting paid 100k to play. But hey, it is what it is. Neither here or there. So what I really want to talk about, um, unfortunately, I was out of town in Arizona. But when I heard about Virginia losing to UMBC, I honestly had to look up where the heck UMBC was because I had no idea. But suppose they were in Baltimore, right? Yes. It's the and they're the Retrievers? Yep. The University Golden Retrievers. Maryland, Baltimore County Retrievers. Shout out to Keel Carr, the crime stopper. <laughs> <laughs> you probably with him. They would have won by more probably. But um, at the end of the first half, it was 21-21. I didn't start watching until the second half when things just got a little crazy and UMBC scored 53 points in the second half. Um, usually for three-point percentage, they average 38.2%, which is 44th in all of NCAA, which isn't bad at all. No. But when you hit 12 threes, which you go 50% from three-point line, you shoot 12 threes, you're probably going to win. And what I found really interesting was they out-rebounded them by 11. And I know Virginia isn't the best rebounding team. Um, they are ranked 236 in defensive rebounds and 292 in offensive rebounds. But getting out-rebounded by a team that no one really knows, it's kind of sad. Yeah, well, I think there was a lot of factors that went into that. Mm -hmm. uh, Virginia played, obviously, is a really good defensive team. Yeah, number yeah, one, held actually. to 21 in the first half. Uh, but one thing that's kind of confusing, you know, it, it's still a little shocking to me why their defense is so good. They play the pack line defense, which is kind of uh, a box and one a little bit. Mm -hmm. They have a guy, you know, usually at the top of the key guarding the best players, and the other four guys are around the paint area, you know, protecting the paint, mm -hmm. keeping guys from, from driving in and getting to the middle, you know, driving baseline and stuff. And so there's a lot of long closeouts, and uh, it's a gamble against certain teams, especially with the way basketball is going nowadays, with guys shooting you know threes from further and further out at right. a higher and higher percentages, um, you know. But they're able to play well enough and adjust well enough that you know they can limit good three point shooting teams. But uh, the way UMBC was making shots in the second half, it just snowballed, and that wasn't the best defense to kind of facilitate that. DeAndre Hunter didn't play; he's the best. Probably the best, second best defender on that team. What happened? Biggest to him? NBA prospect. He broke his wrist. So wow. Yeah, he, um, so that didn't help at all. Uh -huh. When uh, Lyles got hot for UMBC, they couldn't stick him on there. Uh, had to put one of the smaller guys on there uh, that was less athletic. Kind of got pushed around. And Virginia, just because of how they struggle offensively, playing from behind, they're forcing a lot of shots. I think that's why UMBC was able to kind of out rebound them. A lot of missed shots, bad shots. Uh, force shots. Uh, yeah, I'm they're just not a team that can play from behind with the type of offense that they have. Uh -huh. uh, so a ten point lead to them felt like twenty, and they just got desperate. You know, as the clock started going down and closer to to uh, three three zeros. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes right now, and they originally they shoot thirty nine percent from three, which is ranked thirty first in the NCAA, but they only shot four of twenty two from three, and yeah. They only shot eight free throws and only made four of those. So when you sh you're having a bad shooting night like that, no matter who you are, you're going to lose. Yeah. So, um, but, yo, congrats to UMBC. Well-deserved. I just wish they beat, um, who did they lose to? Kansas you remind State. Me? Yeah, it was not a fun basketball game to watch. No. It was one of the uglier games of the tournament, to say the least. Probably the ugliest. So I am not 
I wish they would beat them, but it is what it is. Next game, uh, Wichita State. Again, they played against Marshall, and at the first half, Wichita State was up by three. And if I could be honest, I wasn't really comfortable with this Wichita State team for no apparent reason. It was just I wasn't comfortable with them and actually had Marshall beating them. But I want to know, like, what did you think? Oh, I picked Wichita matchup? State, but I only had them winning that one game. Uh-huh. I, to be honest with you, I felt the same way. I kind of felt they were overrated all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Landry Shamet. I uh, think they were a popular pick because of how they performed last year in the tournament, uh, winning their first game and almost beating Kentucky. Right. Uh, and just, I guess, Wichita State, even though they're, I wouldn't say they're a mid-major still. They've had enough success that they're mm-hmm. one of the bigger teams now. But they're just kind of a trendy pick in the tournament because of their success in the past, making oh, the Final Four. And definitely. Going undefeated almost one year and all that. They're kind of like a butler where people see them and think they're better than what they are mm-hmm. and kind of ignore the obvious flaws with them. Yeah. And this year, I just thought they were not a good defensive team. I thought they relied too much on the guard play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor Frankham, he's a good shooter. She's not always the most consistent scorer. Right. Uh, Shamit is a good player as well, but not always gets a little selfish at times, doesn't mm-hmm. always get the team his team involved. Um, and Marshall, you know, Dan D'Antoni's the coach. Yeah. High-scoring offense against Wichita State's, you know, suspect defense. I just didn't like that matchup. I picked Wichita State to win, but it wasn't definitely wasn't surprised that Marshall pulled off the upset. Now, quick question. This is off-topic, but how long has Shaka Smart been out of Wichita State? Oh, Greg Marshall's coach of Wichita State. Shaka Smart. Yeah, but VCU. Shaka Smart was um, not Shaka Smart. Who's the coach for Texas now? Yeah, Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart. But How he long was, has he been there? No, he was at VCU. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awkward. All <laughs> right, but um, no, I completely agree. Everything you said, honestly, Wichita State. I feel like it's just it's like a popular team just because of what they did in the past. Just to reiterate what you said, but um, I'm not surprised and. I think the only one I liked was from Wichita State. Just overall was Ron Baker and I want to say Fred Van Vliet, right? Wichita? From the past few years, yeah, yeah. Those are like that was the only team I really liked from them. But anyways, so um, let's see Wichita State, which is kind of crazy. They actually out rebounded Marshall by fourteen, wow. and they had a total of sixteen offensive rebounds, and that's that's really damn good. And they shot what? Uh, 27.6% from the three, and Marshall shot 39.1. Wow, that's something. Yeah. But, um, anyway, we're not going to go forward with that. Next one was Arizona losing. Remind me. Sorry, I was out of town. Who did Arizona lose to? Buffalo. Buffalo. Wow. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Did you expect that to happen? First off, that's what uh, I want to ask. The line was eight and a half. Uh-huh. Um. I thought that was about right. Uh, I, If I had to gamble, I mm-hmm. would have picked Arizona to go over. Um, but the reason is I, Arizona watching their games this year, a lot of their games are close, and then they kind of pull away at the end. Right. Win by like 12, 13, 14. Uh, so I expected the same thing this game. Buffalo's kind of a chippy team. They play fast, uh, not really too big. Um, so they play kind of a small ball lineup, and I thought that would give Arizona some trouble at the beginning. But the... Just Arizona's talent, especially DeAndre Ayton, who would have pulled away at the end. Uh, but Buffalo kept it close the whole first half, and then mm-hmm. the second half just played with way more energy, way more desire, effort, 
Arizona couldn't get the ball to DeAndre Eden, which is puzzling. You would expect, you know, a four-year point guard like Parker Jackson Cartwright to be able to make a post-entry pass. What? Yeah, they couldn't get him the ball. They Credit to Buffalo, they had someone fronting him and someone playing behind him, so it was tough. They kind of forced the other guys in Arizona to beat him, mm-hmm. and they didn't because Alonzo Trier, you know, shot terribly in the first yeah. half. Raleigh forced, Alkins can't shoot. Yeah, forced too much at the end. Um, it's just an uninspired effort from Arizona, honestly. Uh, it's strange ends. They couldn't shoot from the outside either. They were like two for 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a very strange end to a very strange season, you know, seeing them lose the first three games of the season in the Bahamas. Yeah. Uh, you know, going into the season with FBI investigations of, uh, you know, their assistant coach and Sean Miller and, and the rumors around DeAndre Ayton. And then Alonso Trier failing another drug test, missing a game, Miller missing a game because of, you know, the wiretap thing. <laughs> uh, they're able to come back at the end, still win the, the Pac-12, which honestly isn't as impressive as uh, it sounds, no. just because the Pac-12 had a really terrible year. They won the conference tournament. And just because of DeAndre, and a lot of people were giving them a chance to make the Final Four, which is completely fair. Um, but uh, it just looked like there were way too many flaws in this team, you know, to make it that far. Uh, and it did them in at the end. It did, and I felt like, I don't want to say they kind of deserved it, but this team was really hyped. And honestly, I know DeAndre Aiden is is a great talent. You know, he's in, he's going to be top three pick. He's going to make a lot of money. But just the surrounding cast around him, like, I'm not a big fan of Parker Jackson Cartwright. He's like 5'8 on a good day. Uh, Alonzo Trier is like a poor man's version of Lou Williams, I want to say. He tries to get his own bucket. I feel like he doesn't make the team better. Uh, Raleigh Hawkins, I really like Raleigh Hawkins, but just like and every other New York guard, he can't shoot. He can't shoot one lick. And I feel like that's why he's not where he should be. He's just really a big wing who will just... He kind of reminds me of Julius Randle, smaller version of Julius Randle. Yeah, I've and heard Ron Artest comparisons with him. Uh, mm-hmm. He's pretty good defensively. I don't know if he's that good to be uh, compared of Ron Artest. Compared with Ron Artest, but uh, similar type of game, similar type of toughness, mm-hmm. uh, play style, body type. Yeah. Uh, th- offensively, you know, really good athlete to get to the basket, just not mm-hmm. there as a shooter. I think that hurt Arizona in the Buffalo game and just during the season. Uh, supposedly, statistically, they were you know, among the best shooting teams in their program history. It was just weird to see when you actually watch the product on the court. It didn't seem true at all. Yeah, they were actually ranked, I just focus on three-point percentage. They ranked uh, 51st in three-point percentage, wow. averaging 37% from the three, which is kind of interesting, but because I feel like, honestly, this is probably one of the worst Sean Miller teams, like from top to bottom. As talent-wise, I feel like Sean Miller's had way more talent than this team. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I definitely think last year's team was talented. Um, didn't have a player like DeAndre Ayton that could go number one overall. But, you know, Laurie Markkinen wasn't, you know, too shabby. He was a top 10 pick. Yeah. Uh, Kobe Simmons had pro potential. Left it a year too early than he probably should have. I, I agree. Raleigh Alkins was healthy last year. Had bigger impact. You know, Trier, you know. Still kind of uh, learning, but, you know, always scary offensive threat. Uh, definitely think that team was better. Definitely think the the Elite Eight teams in 2014 and 15 were a bit, lot better. Those were my uh, favorite Arizona teams. 
the defense really has dropped off in Arizona the last two years uh, as they've tried to get more offensive-minded players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they need to get back to that balance because uh, they could always score. They're not they weren't great scoring teams. Right. The teams that made the Elite Eight, but defense was just really good, and that's what put them over the top. That's what had them in the top ten every year. Pac-12, you know, contending every year. Uh, threat to make the Final Four every year. When you got TJ McConnell and Nick Johnson as your guards, they're going to D up. And Aaron Gordon in the back, it's a wrap. All right, next one is Miami and um, Loyola Chicago. I'm not even going to lie to you. Doing, because I like to do a little stats, and I was doing stats for both teams, and I was like, this will be the upset. This has to be the upset. Because I was looking at it points-wise, Miami ranked 138, while Loyola Chicago ranked 218. But what got me was points scored on. Loyola Chicago was ranked fourth in like the best defense. They only allowed 62 points, while Miami allowed 68. And just basically all around, their numbers were very, very, very similar. But what what made me just say, fuck it, I'm going to do it, was that Loyola Chicago was going on a 10-game winning streak. And they beat Florida 65-59. to 59. I think that's when Florida was ranked top 10. So to me, I was reading all that. I was like, this will be it. Because honestly, I wasn't a big believer in Miami either. I know they have those two guards, I believe. Yeah, they just, have. Uh, they had Bryce Brown, who was hurt. Yeah, or Bruce Brown, excuse me, he was hurt, and um, Lonnie Walker, freshman. Yeah, probably might be a lottery pick. Uh, I'm not sure if he stays this year. Uh, they also have another guard that's very good. Um, Bruce Brown was hurt. He's been out since January. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I didn't trust them to win this game right. in advance. Uh, even though you could say they played better without him mm-hmm. for that part of the season. Uh, they're relying a lot on freshmen. A lot of, you know, unexper- inexperienced players going into the tournament. I feel like that's where he could have helped. Right. Uh, almost averages a triple double. Just you know, even from playing, um, and so I felt like that would hurt them. I looked at the numbers as well. They're very similar, but Loyola Chicago's efficiency was just much better. Right. Uh, and they were on a roll, playing better. I think they had won ten of their last eleven games. Ten game winning streak, yeah. like you mentioned. Uh, meanwhile, Miami was more, you know, average seven and five. Uh, I liked that pick as well. Came down to the end. Uh, <laughs> it did. You said uh, Loyola Chicago allows how many points per game? Sixty-two. That's exactly what Miami yeah, scored, and that's exactly what Tennessee scored. So the defense definitely helped out, and then doesn't hurt to hit a buzzer beater or two in either of those two games. No, uh, so uh, big congrats to Loyola Chicago. They had a great. They had a great season. I'm really happy. I love seeing those like Cinderella, yeah, quote unquote Cinderella teams make it. The next two teams I just want to talk about. We'll just talk about honestly their draft prospects, just because I know. Um, I mean, their schools weren't as good as they should be, but let's first talk about Missouri. And um, in the in the previous podcast, I said uh, Michael Porter Jr. is gonna get 20 points, and he was gonna get a dub against Florida State. And I was wrong on both occasions. Uh, Michael Porter only had 16 points, but he had 10 rebounds. Got a double-double. Anything you can get. And unfortunately, they lost. But uh, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, Michael Porter Jr. I don't know what he does from here because I don't, uh, you know, his stock could fall if he comes back for college next year. And 
you know, it just may never be as high as it was before mm-hmm. um, just because he might not live up to expectations. But if he leaves also, you know, I don't know if, you know, pushing his body to get through a combine or workouts and stuff is going to be best for, you know, his future long-term health. I don't think uh, so. But uh, definitely didn't look good in the two games he played this year. Uh, you know, he had back surgery. Uh, that's always going to hinder your mobility and athleticism, and he looked like a shell of himself athletically. Uh, looked like he couldn't really move out there. Uh, you know, he still, like you said, got a double-double, but not efficient at all, especially shooting-wise. Uh, so I'll be interested to see, you know, what he decides going forward in terms of entering the draft or staying back in school. Uh, I would take a chance on him still, probably if I'm in the late lottery. If he's able late to lottery, wow. Well, I don't want to say late lottery, but like what about like top five? Seven? Nah, maybe not top five, but like seven to ten. Who would you take top? Who would you take over him? Well, obviously DeAndre Ayton, yeah. Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic, uh-huh. top three. Okay, after uh, that it kind of gets slim. yeah, it might be open, but. Um, it just depends. You have to hear more. You see, I mean, teams are going to have their trainers and doctors, you know, kind of look at his back, see what the long-term effects are and damages. And they're usually pretty good at predicting that, you know, they, that's the reason Jared Solinger fell when he came out in 2012 yeah. is because, you know, his back issues. And you know, right. I don't think he's in the NBA. He's, this no, year. not at you know, all. Yeah. He, he was a good player, uh, you know, not a superstar or anything, but short career because of that. So, um, uh, Teams might be a little hesitant to, to take someone that high, even with all the uh-huh. uh, potential he has. Oh, I agree, but I feel like if you give him the Joel Embiid, uh, you know, sk- skip the whole rookie year, maybe in the first two seasons, I think he'll be okay. Cause... Oh, well, I think we got our answer in who's going to take him then. <laughs> Hopefully Philadelphia does it. That would be nice. I don't think the Sixers fans deserve another headache, you know, in terms of not seeing a guy play his first year. That would be. Funny. I know they won a Super Bowl this year, but uh, basketball—they've definitely suffered for the last five years. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes you just gotta believe in Sam Hinkie in the process. But um, I'm honestly a big um, Michael Porter fan, and you just don't see six ten guys. Well, before he got hurt, you don't see six ten guys move with the ball like he did and shoot the way he did. And going to how the league is going now, like it's ridiculous. And honestly, I'm not even gonna lie. This past draft, I wasn't a big fan of Laurie Markkinen. I thought he was too slow, but he definitely proved me wrong. And he was like the first, uh, first ever player, the fastest player to make 300, not make 300, make 100 three pointers. Like he did it in 44 games. Wow. So it's like wow. Like if he can do it, I can only imagine like. What would happen with Michael Porter? It's just a little more athletic, but always depends on health in the back. So uh, shout out to Lori Marketing, though. But next one I really want to get your opinion on is uh, Trey Young of Oklahoma. And to me personally, I felt like not only in this game, but when he also played against West Virginia, I think the first time, like I felt like he really got exposed. You get up on him, have a guy taller than him guard him. And just be physical with him, and then you shut him down. What are your thoughts on him? I think he got a little too hyped a little too soon, to be honest. The Steph mm-hmm. Curry comparisons for almost everybody that they're given to is really unfair. Yeah. Uh, there's 
I don't know why people are so quick to find Steph Curry. I know there's a lot of guards that can shoot now, nowadays and have nice handles, but mm-hmm. what Steph does is so much more than that. You know, he's a great finisher at the basket too for not being someone that's athletic and can really dunk on you. Do you remember uh, the last person who was compared to Steph Curry? He's actually playing in the tournament. There's probably a lot, but the last one mm-hmm. I remember is um, Malik Newman. Do you remember oh, coming yeah. out of high school? Yeah. He was, I think he was ranked number 10. No, you're right. He Texas A&M. Yeah. And he had a transfer and like he's just blossoming now. Yeah. So shout out to Malik Newman, but I want to get your take on Trey Young. Um, he's talented. I think you can't really put a lot of Oklahoma's failures on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at the team and watching them play this year, didn't have a lot of help. No. Uh, and you look at the tournament game they lost to Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. The second and third leading scorers during the season were Christian James, I believe. He averaged like 12 points. And I forgot who the other one was, but he averaged just under 10. They scored like 8 and 5 points in that game. Yeah. The two highest leading scorers against Rhode Island besides Trey Young were averaging 3 and 8 points on the season. So it's not like he had a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big guys uh, didn't show up in the Rhode Island game either. And it was that kind of inconsistency all year that led Trey Young to kind of have to lead, you know, his team and the whole NCAA in points and assists. So, and then Steph Curry's six three, Trey Young's obviously not six three. I say six one at the tallest. Right. Uh, you have a team, teams that know that he's you know the sole source of offense on them. They're gonna try to bully him. They're gonna try to double team him. It is gonna make his numbers suffer. Um, I would take a chance on him maybe in the late lottery if I'm desperate, if there's not any higher upside pick and mm-hmm. I'm really looking for a guard, especially if my team needs shooting. Right. Um, but definitely don't think he's Steph Curry by any means. I do think he can be a good NBA player. Uh, not sure if he's starter material per se, mm-hmm. um, but I think some of the knocks against him are unfair just because uh, he didn't have a lot of help. I'm going to give you my NBA comparison to him. Um if I'm crazy, tell me I'm crazy. But um, I think he's more of like a – less of Steph Curry. I don't think he's Steph Curry, but more of like a Tyus Jones 2.0. Like he's better offensively than Tyus Jones. Defensively, he's not as good than Tyus Jones. But, I mean, similar size, similar frame. I think he's just a better offensive player. What do you think of that? Oh, I can see that a little. I think he – I think he's – probably a combo of that and like i could see a little lou williams in them too okay uh you know and that would be a that would be a good kind of worst case scenario for him being mm-hmm. a six man uh even a starter on some teams a guy that can give you about 16 to 20 points mm-hmm. uh you're not going to win a championship him with him necessarily but mm-hmm. you know you are going to compete you are going to be good on offense um you know he is going to produce for you um you know, but it was amazing watching him this year. Uh, obviously, I don't think Oklahoma even deserves to be in the tournament, but uh, you know, should have been SC. I That's think he I'm helped saying. a lot uh, getting them there, and uh, it was fun to watch him this year. It'll be interesting to see how he's able to handle physical defenses in the NBA, and and if his shooting's for real, mm-hmm. you know, like it looked this season. No, I agree, and I think he will be. A high risk, high reward, uh, type of draft pick. Teams, GMs, gonna get fired for drafting him or keep their job. Or gonna look like geniuses. Him. Exactly. So, for me, it's it's gonna be tough for him. That's that's a really tough draft 
prospect to really just analyze because it can go either way. It can go Steph Curry or it can go Jimmer Fredette. I don't know. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the second round a little less. But um, Tennessee losing to Loyola. Um, just let's talk about Tennessee. Were you a big fan of Tennessee? I, I liked them this year, actually. Uh-huh. Um, I had them winning. I had them making the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Um, remind me who. Oh, they would have played Cincinnati. I mm-hmm. think they actually would have had a good chance of beating Cincinnati, too. I just was more high on Cincinnati uh, than most people, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. So I had them losing in the Sweet 16. Um, but Tennessee was a big surprise team this year. I think they have uh, a lot of good basketball players. A lot of smart basketball players. They're not going to wow you with their your athleticism or anything, but they're pretty efficient getting mm-hmm. two-point baskets and uh, pretty scrappy. Uh, I believe one of their players was SEC Player of the Year. Uh, he's unstoppable down in the post, even though he's not very tall. Okay. Uh, but he's kind of a bulky Charles Barkley type. So is he uh, kind of like a Jarnell Stokes a little bit? Uh, he's a little shorter than that, but oh, wow. similar. Okay. Um, and I, I just felt him alone just playing well those two, you know, in the first two games would be enough to get them mm-hmm. there. And they were really close. So I think Loyola just, you know, played a little better and made more plays at the end. And they pray to God since they're a Jesuit school. Yep. So when the sister was there, when the sister's there, you know, you got to perform. Uh, Cincinnati losing to Nevada. I was, I was driving when I heard the news. I didn't even watch the game. I'm shocked. What the hell happened? Well, I'm not surprised Cincinnati blew the lead. Uh, mm-hmm. They, I was higher on them than most people, like I mentioned, but I have the same concerns with them that I did with Virginia uh-huh. and their offense. They're a very good defensive team, but sometimes they struggle to just score. Right. And it seemed like that towards the end of this game, and uh, they didn't just play well with the lead at all. And there was a very poor coaching decision, I thought, that really cost them this game within the last five minutes. What uh, happened? So Jared Cumberland, he had scored 16 that game. So their wing player, probably their best three-point shooter, uh, probably their best isolation one-on-one scorer, picked up his fourth foul with about five and a half minutes left, and McCronin decided to let him in. They're by eight at this point, so the lead's already under 10 points. Okay. Uh, but right after he gets his fourth foul, the guy backdoor cuts on him. Normally, you would hack someone for getting open layup, but he couldn't do that because he'd get fell out. Right. So they get two points. It's down to six. Possession or two goes by. There's a loose ball. He runs into a dude with four or four left. Fouls out right before the next and very last TV timeout. So they played the whole last four minutes of the game without their best isolation scorer, the <laughs> leading scorer in that game. Shoot. I thought that was really stupid of McCronin to do, and I was mad because I picked Cincinnati. And I think that ended up really costing them the game because the last three possessions that Cincinnati had in that game to win, uh, Jacob Evans forced a long two. If you take a long two, you might as well just take a three. Uh-huh. I thought that was a bad shot. Uh, another drive, he threw it up there, missed. And then the very last play of the game, when they needed to tie down 10, uh, their other guard lost the ball driving to the basket. Uh, just couldn't get a shot up. And so I think that decision alone cost them the game. And the Martin brothers from Nevada, you know they're their best players. You know they're going to go ISO and score. Mm-hmm. They did that the game before. I would have just forced them to pass the ball and make anybody else beat them. Uh, they didn't do that. 
Uh, Cincinnati also couldn't get the ball inside to their big guys, which I thought was a huge advantage they had on Nevada. Uh, Just couldn't get post entries either, much like Arizona. It's baffling to me how college basketball players and coaches aren't making good post entries or just even, you know, making good passes in general. So I think those two things did them in. And that's why we watched the game. And I'm super mad that I missed that game. That I had a drive when all this happened. It was an exciting game. I mean, credit to Nevada. Uh-huh. I had them beating Texas in the first round. I thought they were a very dangerous team. I just liked Cincinnati a lot and thought mm-hmm. that they'd you know, do enough to avoid any upsets. You know, to to them, to Tennessee, even to a uh, lower seeded Kentucky that the, I had them, you know, meeting in the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they just couldn't. Couldn't really get baskets at the end. Uh, some bad decision-making on offense really kind of ruined the game for them, cost them the game. I really wish I watched that game. But let's go to the next game, uh, FSU over Xavier, another number one ranked team down. Uh, did you watch this game? Yes, I did. What the hell happened? Uh, a lot of the same things, surprisingly. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, these, these two teams played last year in the same round. Florida State was a three seed. Xavier was, they would have to be, not the six seed, the 11 seed. And mm-hmm. Xavier blew them out. Uh, and Florida State, kind of know their calling card. Really good on defense. Always have really good athletes. You're talking about Jonathan start. Isaac didn't make a big difference? This year? No, last, last year. No. Uh, <laughs> kind of quiet. No, I was going to say. Oh, so he's, he's, <laughs> he's the same as he is now then. Kind of quiet. Uh, yeah. Not doing he's, much. He's uh, injured. He's like we were talking about with Kevin Knox. He's a guy with a lot of talent that goes quiet a lot. Uh-huh. So. No, and remind me, did they have um, – I always forget his name. I want to say like Xavier Raymond Thanes, Mays or something. Something Mays. Oh, no. he gradu- uh, I think he graduated last year. So. He graduated last year, but he was also on that Jonathan Isaac team, right? Yeah, they had those two, Dwayne Bacon. Dwayne Bacon, that's uh, right. Dwayne and another Bacon. huge guy. They have a seven four guy that's still on the team. So has Komaji. Let's just say they had like three NBA players. Let's yes. just say that. Yes. This year, I don't even think they have any draft prospects, do they? No. Or, they have really good players, really good athletes, uh-huh. but definitely not any uh, big draft prospects. Um, that's but really. But they're athletic and they play defense and they're very physical. Yeah. And Xavier doesn't have athletes, and I think the defense really bothered them. Blew it had a terrible game. He's a good college player, but he's a guy that's not a top NBA prospect because he's got kind of an old man's game, not right. very athletic, not good against athletic defenders. He's crafty, savvy, but uh, against certain guys that are physical and, and really long and way more athletic than him, he struggles, and that's what happened this game. And Florida State just kept keeping it close. They kept knocking down a timely three, mm-hmm. getting a timely turnover. Uh, J.P. McCurr on Xavier, he was in foul trouble, so he kind of got held out at the end. It was a controversial charge call on him that gave him his fifth foul. So without him at the end, Xavier struggled to make plays, especially because Blewett mm-hmm. you know, was struggling all game. Um, and uh, they just kind of lost the lead because they couldn't get they couldn't get baskets on one end, and uh, Florida State made big plays at the, at the other end. Shout out Florida to State went. Uh, uh-huh. Sorry, but just no. Go ahead. Uh, Florida State has a seven-four guy, Christ Komaji. Uh, he starts for them. He actually plays a lot, uh, but they just went small without him. I think because they needed to really use their athleticism against Xavier and really get out in transition and force turnovers and uh, 
kind of drive and kick, and I think that worked to their advantage in this game, and that was a big reason why they won. Shout out to um, Florida State for winning it. And I really needed Xavier to lose in order for me to win in one of my uh, brackets or my like little tournament challenge. So thank you, Florida State, for helping me out on that. And um, I know we touched base on Texas A&M over UNC, right? Yeah. You said how UNC didn't shoot well. We also said Texas A&M was a dark horse. Texas so. A&M's front line, mm-hmm. it's one of the most, I would say, biggest, scariest front lines you'll see. Uh, Tyler Davis is just... A beast on the post. He really big is. Big body, uh, you know, to kind of keep from backing you down. Mm-hmm. Robert Williams, we've talked about him. He's kind of a frustrating because he's not always consistent in the college game, but the talent's there. It's undeniable. He's going to be, you know, a lottery pick. Uh, so the fact that he played as well as he did, you know, anytime you play like that, Texas A&M, it's not your ordinary seven seed. Mm-hmm. That put them over the top. Uh, nobody on Carolina could stop him. And then DJ Hogue, I think, is a guy that's very underrated. That's their point uh, guard, right? Uh, he's a wing. He's a small forward. Uh, he's he can shooter. hit from the outside. Yeah, he's, he's really athletic. He's long. He gets the basket. He can play make. When all, th- all three of those guys are going, uh, Texas A&M, probably the top five team in the country, that's what happened against Carolina, just a perfect storm. Uh-huh. Carolina couldn't hit from the outside, couldn't handle them. Carolina's not very athletic. Uh and uh, that's how Texas A&M was able to win that game. And uh, they have a really good chance against hold Michigan it, hold as it, well. Hold it. We'll get into that. Yeah. All right. Last one. Let's talk about um, Syracuse over MSU. Uh, I, don't, I really don't want to talk about this game. The two guys I want to talk about is Jaron Jackson Jr., and um, Miles, Bridges. Miles Bridges. I want to talk about this game really quickly. Okay. Because. Go. I, I was, Everybody I, knows when you play against Syracuse, they're damn they zone. don't play man-to-man. Nope, they they play a 2-3 zone. zone. They smother you. Mm-hmm. Jim Beheim has been coaching for 40 years. Doesn't play man-to-man. He plays that. You would expect a Tom Izzo coach team, Tom Izzo's a great coach, to be prepared for that. The fact that they only scored 53 points, that they shot terribly from three, mm-hmm. that they didn't know how to play against the zone. I mean, I thought UCLA was terrible when I watched <laughs> them play against the zone against St. Bonaventure. Uh-huh. Michigan State looked Almost as bad, which is pretty disappointing for a team that a lot of people had as a Final Four pick one, one of my and a national champion. Yeah. Uh, and quite frankly, the way they played, they deserve to lose because they look completely unprepared for that zone, which is not an excuse at all. You have to know when you're playing Syracuse, you have to deal with a zone like that. And that, is that true. cost them. And Syracuse, first team to make the Sweet 16 to not score over 60 in either of their two wins. <laughs> and they had wow. to win three games to get there because they won the playing game. And yeah. They only scored 60 in that one. So the defense is coming together at the right time. Uh-huh. It's pretty scary for whoever they play next. We'll get into that later. Also. So let's talk about um, as draft prospects now. I've seen Michigan State play, and in all honesty, I don't know how to feel about Jaron Jackson Jr. What are your thoughts on him? I don't know how to feel either. He's a boom-bust prospect. He can be really good and on the right team. Right. Uh, but I could also be in, see him being someone like... He's not the same type of player as Anthony Randolph, but being like oh, that, a guy a that came work. out that you could see say that guy had a lot of potential mm-hmm. to be a good stretch for in the NBA, but just never right. put it together, wasn't disciplined enough, never worked on his game, really never advanced 
and uh, stuck in the league for a few years from talent alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaron Jackson's very similar to me. I think he's got a higher ceiling defensively than that. Uh, but offensively, I want I'd like to see him develop more of a post game, or mm-hmm. at least if he's going to play on the outside and shoot threes, put put it on the ground more. Maybe have a, a better handle. When uh, when I think of Jaron Jackson Jr. and sometimes when I even watch him, I think of uh, Marvin Williams before he like came back. Like just talented player, I think they're around the same height, six nine and like six yeah, nine, that's right? A good compar- I think Jaron Jackson's even a little bit taller than him. Maybe six nine, six ten, and just as just raw talent, but just doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, and, and so he's a good shooter as well at the college level, uh-huh. but I can just see that easily going downhill at the NBA level because he's not automatic with his shot. He's kind of hesitant on when to shoot. Uh, kind of slow release, uh, so he definitely needs to work on that as well um, in order to be effective at the next level. Um, he's gonna go to the draft because he's gonna be a top five, top ten pick. Um, but would you take him top five? I don't. I wouldn't take him top five. I know I've been hearing people say him over Bagley, which I think is that's no ludicrous. I, I I'm not even blasphemous. a big fan of Bagley, but I would take Bagley. Over I don't him. understand that at all. That I'm so, not a big fan. No, that oh. People would even consider taking no, him over. No, I don't know either. Or Mobamba over Bagley, or Mobamba, or him over, I don't know. They just, or Mike. There's a lot of talented Michael guys Porter out Jr. there, but a lot of very raw guys as well. I feel you. What about um Miles Bridges? How do you feel? He's shot a lot of threes in this game. I worry about his shooting at the next level, but he's uh-huh. clearly an NBA-level athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, can get to the basket. Great rebounder for his size. Um, I think in, on the right team, he can be a good rotation player. Uh, probably even starter for some teams. He's not going to be your best player, not even going to be your second best player. Um, don't think he's, and I'm not saying this just because of the Michigan State comparison, I don't think he's a Draymond Green type of player, uh, but just that type of, but a better right. athlete and someone with that type of like passion and energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he can get better on the defensive end of the floor, I think he can be a really good player for a good team. How tall is he? Like 6'9", right? Uh, or is he's he's six, I think he's like 6'7". Six, 6'7", seven. Six, seven. Six, seven. okay. I think I'm a big fan of his athleticism. Um, I know once, I if he works on a shot, I think he'd be similar to uh, Tobias Harris. So I know Tobias Harris came in really raw, but like I watch him now as a Clippers fan, and I really like his game, and I hope we can keep him. I think we have him for another year. I think Miles Bridges is a better shooter than – Tobias Harris really worked on his jump shot because he, he was did. not a shooter – at all when he first came in the NBA. And now he's a respectable one. If Miles Bridges is able to get a jump shot like that, I think his ceiling is even higher than Tobias Harris just because I think he has more playmaking ability mm-hmm. and he's a better athlete. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's a, that would be a good pick for whoever gets him. And I do think he'll go lottery. I'm not sure how high. Um, right. But I think that's a good pick for someone late lottery that needs a, maybe just one more piece to get. Hopefully my playoffs. Clippers get him. I would be happy with that as a Clippers fan, but uh, we'll see. All right, so now the next pop, we're going to try to predict the final four. So let's start off. Let's see. Our first game is in the South, Kansas State versus Kentucky. Who do you got? Just give me the I'm not a big fan of Kansas State. Okay. Uh, They're really sloppy, not very efficient. Mm -hmm. I think that plays right into Kentucky's hands. This isn't even the best 
Kentucky team Coach Calipari's had. Not even close. Not even close. Not even close to last year's team to me. But for some reason, I like them. They're playing hot at the right uh-huh. time. The way they play defense is perfect for March. Uh-huh. And they have just enough offense to get by. I think Shea Gilgis-Alexander has another big game like he did the last two. I think Kevin Knox has an efficient game. Uh-huh. Not necessarily a big one, but an efficient one. He gets his. And Wenyon Gabriel hits more threes. I have Kentucky winning this game. I don't want to say easily, but mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be that close. I got Kentucky as well. Next one is, what is it? Loyola and, and Nevada. I'm just going to keep you straight up. I have Nevada. This, you have Nevada. Yeah, I have Nevada winning that. I don't think it's close. I think the the Jesuits will come back to reality because they are a Jesuit school. I think Nevada is a better team. Mm-hmm. But I think they've gotten lucky the last two rounds just as much as Loyola has. Okay. And so are I you actually picking think your... I'm going to pick Loyola for one more round. Wow, I okay. I like Loyola on this one. All right. So what's the sister's name? I want to say Eileen. Sister Mary Jean. Oh, I was way off. Mary Jean, Billy Jean. All right, next one we got Florida State and Gonzaga. I am – that one's tough. I'm going to go with the dogs. No, sorry. I'm going to go with the – I want Florida State. I want them to keep going. Who you got? This is tough because Florida State's full of athletes. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga's not very deep. Mm-hmm. They're not very athletic other than Rory Hachimura and Jonathan Williams, I would say. But I've been really impressed with Zach Norvell. Okay. And I think, even though he's a freshman, he's ready for the big stage. Simeon High School product. Shout out. Alma mater, Jabari Parker, and Derek Rose. I think he's going to have a big game. I think he puts him over the top. I'll take Gonzaga. I think they're on a mission. Even though a lot of the guys are gone from last year. Uh uh, Zach Collins, Nigel Williams-Gus, Shemek Karnowski. I think Gonzaga has a bitter taste in their mouth from last year. I think they get to at least the lead eight. Respect that. All right, next we got Michigan, Texas A&M. I'm going Texas A&M. I'm going Robert Williams. I'm going Tyler Davis. I'm going with the boys from down south, Texas A&M. A lot of people liked Michigan before the tournament. I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. I thought they were a really balanced team. Mm-hmm. Got to say, I've been really disappointed with their offense. Okay. I think the guards are a little too selfish at times. Ooh. More, Moritz Wagner, uh-huh. who had a big game last year against Louisville, their big right. man from Germany. Yeah. He just shot 15 times combined in those two games. He had five points in the first game and nine in the second game. Wow. I don't think they get him the ball enough for a guy that can be a big difference maker like that, uh-huh. and I think that's going to do them in if they fail to get him the ball against a front line like Texas a uh-huh. And even if they do, I think he's going to struggle with their athleticism a little bit. Especially with the big boys. I think boys Texas A&M's athleticism is going to cause Michigan's guards, if they're selfish and don't pass the ball, mm-hmm. to make a lot of turnovers. I'm like you. I'm going to pick Texas A&M in this one. Shout out to the boys down south. All right. Next game we have Villanova versus West Virginia. I have West Virginia just because I want to see another upset. And I just really like their defense. I'm going the Virginias of West Virginia. Well, like I mentioned at the beginning, I thought West Virginia was under-seeded as mm-hmm. a five-seed. I normally would have picked them to make the Final Four. I like that. 
that that was one of probably my second favorite team after Villanova and mm-hmm. in going into the tournament. And if they were in any other region besides the East, I probably would have them in the Final Four right now. But this matchup, I think, is the one time West Virginia is going to meet its match in terms of a team that can handle the pressure, uh-huh. can handle its defense. Villanova's got a veteran guard, Jalen Brunson. Doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Mm-hmm. I think Javon Carter, as good of a defender he is, is not going to be able to force him to turn the ball over. I think Villanova's guards are experienced, and even if Brunson struggles, they'll help him get over it. Right. And uh, Villanova is a team that shoots 47% of its offense is through the three. That's kind of deadly because mm-hmm. when you're not hitting, that can do you in. Yeah. But Virginia, West Virginia's pressure leaves a lot of wide-open shots. Villanova's a pretty good ball-moving team. They also hit 17 threes in the second-round game against Alabama. I think they're going to get a lot more open shots here. I don't think they're going to make 17, but I think they'll hit 10 at least. So, so you, I have Villanova. Ooh, okay. And then the next game is Texas Tech and Purdue. If I can be totally honest, I really don't care for either teams. But um, <laughs> I like Texas. I like Texas Tech more than I like Purdue. So I'm going to go with TT, Texas Tech. I'm going to go with Texas Tech as well. Uh, I just think Purdue losing their big man is really yeah. going to hurt them in this game. Uh, going small uh, against Texas Tech and their height and their athleticism and their defense, I think, is uh, not going to be as effective. Purdue's had a, a great season. Uh, both of the Edwards are very good players. Uh, I just think Texas Tech, this is a... Really good matchup for them. I'll take Texas Tech. All right. The last two games, we have Kansas and Clemson. Um, I think this is going to be a close game. It's a close game that people think. (sighs) My head says go with Kansas. Go with Kansas. But my heart says don't sleep on Clemson. And I don't know who to to trust. I'm going to go with the upset, and I'm going to go Clemson. Clemson. I'm going to stick with the Jayhawks. Uh, They're similar to Villanova. A lot of their offense relies on the three. Mm -hmm. I didn't think they'd be able to sustain it for the whole run. I do think they'll be able to sustain it at least one more game against Clemson, um, whose defense gets shaky at times, even though they put a really good performance on Auburn. Uh, But I think Kansas' guards are a lot more experienced than Auburn, a lot more hungry uh, from disappointments the last two years. Uh, Devontae Graham had a really bad game last week mm-hmm. in the second round. I like I him. I think he's going to bounce back and have one more good one. So you're going Kansas. Yeah. Okay, last one, Syracuse-Duke. I'm going Duke. I'm assuming you're going to go Duke as well. Yeah, they've only played – they play in the ACC together. Yeah. They only played once this year for whatever reason, 60-44 to 44 Duke. Again, Syracuse didn't score over. Just like in the three tournament wins, mm-hmm. didn't score over 60, but they scored 44. Syracuse plays that 2-3 zone. I guarantee you Mike Krzyzewski will be expecting it. Oh, yeah. And they have two guys in Grayson Allen and one, and uh, excuse me, Gary Trent Jr. Uh-huh. who shoot about 40% from three. I don't yeah. think it's going to work against Duke. And uh, Wendell Carter shoots 44% from three and Marvin Bagley 38. So those four guys alone would make any Syracuse zone pay. Uh, and I think Duke's just peaking at just about the right time. Uh, have... Probably the best pro prospect left in the entire field, and he's been playing well. 
Let me get your opinion on something. I asked one of my friends, shout out to Sterling, and um, I said, will I be crazy? Will you call me crazy if I say that uh, when they're both in the NBA, at the end of the NBA, after their career, once their career is over, I think uh, Wendell Carter will be considered the better player than Marvin Bagley. Will I be crazy for thinking that? I mean, I think people don't give Wendell Carter his just due. I think mm-hmm. he's a very good player and he gets overlooked because he's on the same team as Marvin Bagley. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. But I just think Marvin Bagley's skill set mm-hmm. and what the modern NBA big man is playing like now, mm-hmm. he's more suited to have a successful career. He's very similar to a guy like Anthony Davis. Don't think he's going to be that impactful defensively right mm-hmm. away or maybe even ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but offensively, I could definitely see him, uh, you know, being that type of player. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say you're crazy for thinking that. Um, mm-hmm. That's an interesting topic, actually. It um, is right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Wendell Carter is a very good player. Um, mm. I see him as a more versatile Al Horford type. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not as defensively good as Al Horford either. Um, so both both players are, you know, project being at an all star level. Um, I just think Bagley's a more intriguing prospect because of his skill set. No, I understand. It's funny because my friend Sterling, because he's a big Duke fan. So again, shout out to Sterling. But he also compared kind of Marvin Bagley, Anthony Davis. But he also said defensively, he probably won't be as good or even close to Anthony Davis. And he compared Wendell Carter to like something similar to Al Horford. So um, that was really good. But for me personally, I just think Wendell Carter already has the jump shot you know, for a big. And you look at bigs who can really shoot. And they're, I just don't see Marvin Bagley developing that. That's why I'm more of a fan of Wendell Carter than my, Marvin Bagley. But it's a different topic for a different time. Let's just get into these final four. I have Kentucky versus Nevada. I'm a big John Calipari fan, but I think these this is one of his worst teams ever. And usually, usually I'm always optimistic about you know Kentucky, but um, I'm gonna still stick with them. They're gonna go to the Final Four. Probably John Calipari's second worst team, second worst team he's ever had, but they'll make the Final Four. I'm gonna go with Kentucky as well. Um, one of my regrets. For my bracket is I had Kentucky going to lead eight, but I had them losing to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Cincinnati's not there to stop them this time. Uh, I don't even think this is Calipari's best Kentucky team either, not even close. But they're playing just well enough at just the right time to make a run, and I uh, have them winning that game to get to Final Four as well. All right. Next one, you have Gonzaga and A&M. Who do you have in that? I think Gonzaga's hungry, but AM is playing really well right now. Mm-hmm. And I think they're just too athletic for Gonzaga. I'm going to go with AM. AM, and before, I mean, in the beginning of the season, I said that Texas AM is definitely an Elite Eight Final Four team, and I'm sticking with that. So I'm also going with Texas AM. Uh, I have West Virginia and Texas Tech. I'm a big West Virginia fan. I'm going with them. But you have 
Villanova and Texas Tech. I'm assuming you're going Villanova? Yes. Absolutely. I Easy. think they're the most balanced team in the field. They uh-huh. have championship experience on their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can go inside out on you. They can get stops when they need to. Texas Tech had a good run. They're a very good team. They don't have the tournament experience that Villanova does. I think it's going to matter when we All get right. down to that game. All right, I have Clemson, Duke, and I'm going Duke. You have Kansas and Duke. Who do you have on that? That's tough. Kansas is a really good team. They don't have front court depth. Uh huh. Besides Azubuki, they play light foot a lot at the four. Uh, but against post uh, tandem of Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter, being able to go inside and out, uh-huh. plus Duke's ability to still shoot the three, I think that's too much for Kansas to handle. I have Duke winning. Dukies. All right, since we're already at the Final Four, we might as well go to the championship. Kentucky versus A&M. I have A&M. I have them going up against Duke. So Duke versus Texas A&M in the finals. That's what I have. And I would love for that to actually happen. I'm super interested, especially with the bigs, with Tyler Davis and Robert Williams versus Bagley and Wendell Carter. I think that will be something fun to watch, honestly. What will your championship be? I'll start with the God Villanova Duke. I think that's a tough matchup for Villanova. Uh huh. My head says Duke, but I did pick Villanova at the beginning. I'm just gonna stick with them. Nova I'll take Villanova. Okay. And who do you have, Kentucky and A and M? As much as I liked how Kentucky's playing right now, I think A and M turned it on at just the right time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with A&M also. All right. So you have A&M versus Nova, and you have champion as Nova? Yeah. Champion Nova. All right. My champion, this is a tough matchup, and I really hope A&M plays Duke. But um, I think my Krzyzewski wins another one. I think Duke will beat A&M in a very, very close and exciting game. So this is going to be interesting. I can't wait. But all right, Q, uh, thanks for helping me out with this. Always great meeting up with you and talking basketball as we usually do. So appreciate it, man. And um, anything else you want to say? No, I think uh, Duke's definitely a team to watch out for. Obviously, I picked Villanova over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Duke and Texas A&M are playing hot at just the right time. Uh, wouldn't be surprised at all to see that in the final, as crazy as that sounds with AM being a seven seed. Uh, either of those two championship games we have have a lot of talent on the floor. Yeah. Have uh, some pretty big pro prospects on the floor. Uh, should be fun. Should be fun. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. And come back next time and we'll run it back.